All right, Matthew chapter 5. I want to talk to you this morning about a concept of, of saving faith. Now, as we get back into this, I want you to understand Jesus is talking to His disciples and He wants them to understand what real righteousness is. Okay? What, what genuine righteousness is. Righteousness is not, uh, is not a comparison of us to other people. Righteousness is, is only something that we understand in light of God who is completely righteous. Okay? And, and when we look at His complete righteousness, we find that you and I are lacking. Okay? But we, we have no righteousness in, in and of ourselves. So, therefore, it's not about being compared to others or being better than others. It's, it's ultimately about being righteous in God's sight, declared righteous by the Lord Jesus Christ, His work on Calvary's cross. And so, so as we think about this today, I, I want you to understand, here's your biblical truth, that faith in Christ exceeds good works in being right with God. And as we read this, you'll understand that there are a couple of perspectives, old perspectives, that, that you and I may have when it comes to the Old Testament. Jesus is going to talk about the Old Testament here. Uh, some of us have a, have a mentality that because we are under grace, then the Old Testament is irrelevant to our lives. But listen, we are not under the law uh, as, as a governor of our lives. Uh, we are under grace if you are in Christ. But that we're going to find out Jesus did not come to eradicate the law. He did not come to, for us to throw away the law. And so as we look at this this morning, we're going we're to encounter that perspective. Okay, we're going to counter that perspective. But also I want you to recognize that some of us have a mentality when it comes to the law that that should govern our lives regardless of grace. Um, I, I shared with you two weeks ago this book I uh, just finished called The Insanity of God. And, and uh, this uh, former missionary uh, brought reference to his experience. He, he was a missionary in Africa, the Middle East, uh, had some encounters there in the Middle East, and and this is what he said. I lived in a land, uh, I lived in, among an Old Testament people longing for a New Testament faith. He said, but I came home and what I found in America was a New Testament people that longed for the Old Testament. And what he meant by that is we, lo we, we look at the Old Testament law and, and all of a sudden we set ourselves up as though we are the judge against others. And so how do, we, how do we handle that? Well, I think we need to look and understand faith and righteousness in light of Jesus' teachings here to His disciples on the sermon, in the Sermon on the Mount. Verse 17 of chapter 5 says this, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Of heaven. Let's begin today to think about Jesus' relationship to the law and the prophets. 
Now please understand, when he says the law and the prophets, he's talking about the entirety of the Old Testament. He's talking about how the Old Testament, uh, how he relates to that. And he says here, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. Now what does he mean there? He did not come to set aside or to throw away or to render the Old Testament useless in our lives. That is, he did not come to say, this is, this is, no, uh, this is irrelevant to you. He, he did not come to do that in our lives. He, he says that he's come to fulfill it. So if we understand this right, Jesus says that the Old Testament still has a valid point in our lives today. And we've got to determine what that is. But notice he says here, until heaven and earth pass away, until heaven and earth pass away, not a jot, or a tittle, not an iota or a dot will be removed from the from the Old Testament to the, from the law of the Lord. What does he mean by that? Now, the iota is the smallest letter in the Greek language. It is the i. Um, the, the the jot, as the King James reads, is a reference to the Hebrew uh, letter yod. Now, the yod in Hebrew literally looks like an apostrophe in English. It's it's a y. Uh, a yod in the Hebrew language. So what he said here, the smallest letter in the alphabet, whether it's Hebrew, whether it's Greek, whether it's English, the smallest letter will not be removed from the law. Well, he says uh, this tittle or this uh, this dot will not be removed. Uh, not when you look at the Hebrew language, they they didn't have vowels, and so there became a, a vowel pointing system. Uh, that, that would reference uh, the vowels placed in letters. And sometimes it was a dot. Sometimes it were other little marks, little bitty marks to, to show um, a, a distinction. Well, when you in the Greek language, uh, not that you're all going to go home and read Greek after this, but, uh, but understand, the, uh, when certain letters were distinguished. They looked just alike except for a little tail. For us, we might recognize the difference between a capital E and a capital S. That little bitty line at the bottom. Or a capital P and a capital R, the leg of the R that distinguishes the P from the R. The point is this, the smallest part of the language, the smallest written letter will never be removed from God's law. Why? Not until it is fulfilled. Not until heaven and earth pass away, a reference to judgment. So as you think about this, you think about Jesus' relationship to the law, Jesus does not throw it away. He holds it high. He holds it high as the eternal Word of God, as, as an important factor uh, in life. He, he says, I didn't come to abolish it. I came to fulfill it, to fulfill the law. What, what does it mean to fulfill? Well, this word fulfill literally is to bring out the full meaning of it. To bring out the full meaning of the Old Testament. What is the Old Testament about? What, what's the point of the Old Testament? Now, as you think about this, I want you to recognize first that Jesus fulfilled the law and that He lived it perfectly. Scripture says, God made Him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. That is, Jesus knew the law and He lived it perfectly without he is the only person that has ever lived to do so. He lived it perfectly. But notice, he, he didn't just live it perfectly. He fulfilled it finally. He fulfilled it in the sacrificial system of the law. 
Jesus comes and He fulfills it. How does He do so? He met the righteous requirement of a perfect, sinless sacrifice, and He laid His life down as the Lamb of God to pay my sin debt and your sin debt. So get this. Here's an Old Testament people. They're living under this law, a sacrificial law that required sacrifices yearly, uh, monthly, weekly, even daily. And here comes Jesus. Scripture says that He laid down His life and He died once for all sins. Folks, listen, because of Jesus, you and I don't have to sacrifice for our sins. We don't have to offer sacrifice for the atonement of our sins because Jesus did that once for all. He fulfilled it. He met the requirement and then He laid His life down. Well, we recognize having just come out of the out of the Christmas season, the concept of Jesus fulfilling the Old Testament in light of the prophecies. How He... Uh, how He was born in Bethlehem, born of a virgin, how He fulfilled the prophecies of the Christ child. And, and throughout His life, He fulfilled them. And, and even now, He is fulfilling and will continue until all is complete. He fulfills the entirety of the Old Testament. What's the point Jesus is making? He came to fulfill the law and the prophets. I want you to understand it. Listen up. Everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. What's the Old Testament about? Is it about God pushing the people down? Absolutely not. It's about God providing for them a Savior. And if you read the Old Testament, by the way, you ought to read the Old Testament. If you don't read the Old Testament, I know there's some hard things to read. There's some difficult uh, things to get over. There's some that have a bunch of numbers and a bunch of hard names. Press on. Read the Old Testament and, and look for Jesus. Because when Jesus came in the fullness of time, Galatians 4, 4 says God sent His Son to fulfill the Old Testament. He didn't come to throw it away. He didn't come to render it useless. He came to fulfill it so you and I could know this God that is declared throughout. That's Jesus' relationship to the to the Law and the Prophets, but what's our relationship to them? What's our relationship to the Law and the Prophets? Well, if we understand how Jesus related to them, and He lives in us, His Holy Spirit lives in us, and, and He is the Lord of our lives, then you and I ought to, in some ways, relate to, to the Law and the Prophets the same way He did. Now look, we can't fulfill it because that's already been done. Um, we can't, uh, we, we're not the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. That's Jesus' role. But we, like Jesus, must begin by upholding the law and the prophets as the eternal word of God. We must recognize that God has given us the Old Testament, He has given that to us, and it is very, very significant in our lives. It's not just something to put us to sleep at night. It's something God's given us so we can learn about Him and walk with Him. And I would say to you as well that just as Jesus desired to uphold the law and live the law, you and I have, ought to have a sense of, uh, of desire to obey the law. We ought to obey the law uh, and the prophets. We ought, to walk, we ought to understand, we ought to study the Old Testament, we ought to live it in our lives. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. Look, now we're not under the condemnation of the law. You understand that? 
we are not under the condemnation of the law. Okay, that, that means that we are, are not bound to, to trying to perform the law so that God won't be mad at us. Or so that we can, so that we might be able to earn entrance into the kingdom of heaven. That, that's not it at all. We are uh, to be obedient to the law because that was the heart of Jesus to walk in a right relationship with Him. That's why God gave them the law, so that, the, so that they could understand this is what it means to walk with me, these guiding principles. Okay, so when you, when you look at this, when you look at the law, I think we, let's, let's make a distinction. We have to interpret the Old Testament, the law and the prophets, in light of the New. What, what does the New Testament say about it? Well, the Old Testament has a moral code, right? Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. It goes on. Those are still laws that are applicable to our lives. Those are important things for us to understand. Uh, those are things that we are to live by. That, that Old Testament law has a ceremonial law. That is that sacrificial system I've already told you. That's not something that you and I have to live by. We don't have to have uh, the, 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 a, a certain height in our walls or a certain pillar here and a pillar there. We don't have to wear the, uh, the, the, the exact clothing. We don't have to offer the sacrifices. Why? Because in Christ Jesus, all that's fulfilled. That is fulfilled. That is completed in Him. There's the judicial law. The judicial law that, that, that weighs out punishment for those who would disobey the law of the Lord. I've told you, we are not under the condemnation of the law. If you are in Christ, you are His child, your sins are forgiven, and you will spend eternity with Him because the judgment of the Old Testament was meted out on Jesus Christ at the cross. you understand that? Scripture says judgment was placed on Him on the cross. So in the cross, the justice of God is satisfied. And therefore, when you and I receive Christ as Savior, no longer are we under the condemnation of, uh, of the law, but we are set free in Christ. We are set free in Christ because our sin debt is paid. Somebody ought to amen that. Your sin debt's paid. That's good news. I don't have to stand before God in fear that He will judge me Oh, I mean, he, he's going to judge my works. I don't have to stand before him in fear that, that he'll cast me into hell. Why? Because I am under the blood of Christ. I've been saved. And the justice weighed out against my sin was satisfied on the cross. Here's the reality. When you and I read the law, we have to understand that there is no way in the world we can live it completely. There's no way in the world we can satisfy the righteous requirements of the law. So that's not to say, that's not to throw at you to heap you down and beat you down. That's to say that the law of Christ, the law of the Old Testament is given, Paul writes, as a schoolmaster, to point people where? To Jesus. See, here's what happens. When we say, oh, God, we're under grace. And the law has nothing to do with our lives. What happens is, we lose the sense of the law, and therefore we don't experience conviction of sin. 
We think it has nothing to do with our lives. But what happens is when we recognize the righteous requirement of the Lord, we recognize sin in our lives, and therefore, in God's grace, we can run to Him. Not to earn our salvation. Not to earn forgiveness. But to be forgiven and restored in His grace. So the law has has really some serious implications for our lives. Our desire to be obedient to the law is not about making God happy or avoiding His anger and wrath or to earn a right relationship with Him. Our desire is reflected of the Spirit of Christ who lives in us. Okay, Because He is faithful, that desire should be in us. Okay, Now, our, uh, Jesus' relationship to the law, the, our, our relationship to the law, that, that sets up, I, well, I, I didn't read verse 19 again, but you notice here, whoever relaxes one of the least of these, what, what's he saying? We shouldn't relax, much less teach it to others. And that's what many of us have done. We, we have thrown the law away and we've, we've, we've begun to teach that the law has no implication in our lives. No govern, no guidance in our lives, and and y'all we whew, we're off base there. He says the one who um, who relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Now we could we could have a long discussion about what that means. He's talking about a system of rewards that we don't fully understand. Uh, he didn't say he's thrown out of the kingdom of heaven. He's saying that that it'll be least. That is, that that the rewards will be less than the one who upholds and teaches the law. Teaches to to walk in obedience to Christ. So the point is this. Jesus doesn't want you to ignore it. (laughs) Okay? Let me just simplify it. He doesn't want you to ignore it. So what's our relationship to Jesus? What's our relationship to Jesus? Verse 20. For unless, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of God. You hear that? For unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of God. What is what is Jesus saying? Folks, righteousness that comes from God is not based on our ability to perform. The righteousness that comes from Jesus is based on our willingness to receive the forgiveness He offers and to walk with Him. Ephesians 2, 8-10 through 10. It is by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works. What's the point? Jesus is saying, you can't earn it. And your performance, if that's all you've got, has no weight on your eternity. What's wrong with the, what's wrong with the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees? There was no righteousness at all. What's wrong with them? It was all about their performance. It was all about what other people thought about them. It was all about what the community said when they looked at the scribes and Pharisees. Oh, great holy one. 
I like your outfit. You look good today. I've heard you've been given to the temple. Woo! He's at church on time. That is what they live for. They live for the praise of people. For the praise of men. Because they had their religious lives down. They, they went to church all the time. Church all the time. They wore the right clothes. They, they, they looked the part in what they wore. They spoke the language, the religious language of the law. Uh, they they, they um, walked on eggshells all of their lives so much just so they wouldn't break the law. They had a law. They built a hedge around it so they wouldn't even get close to it. And they built another hedge so they wouldn't get to that edge. And so they, they walked on eggshells all of their lives because they didn't want to break the law and look bad before others. They've got all of these things. They even went so far as to set themselves up to where they could look down on other people who didn't look good like them. And yet Jesus looks at them and says, Guy, that's not good enough. Why? Because the righteousness that they had was no righteousness at all. Yet when we come by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, trusting His finished work on the cross and the empty tomb and His willingness to to give us forgiveness when we cry out to Him, listen, when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, He declares us righteousness. Righteousness is not something you do. It's something He gives when you trust Him. They had this external thing going on. Ooh, we look good, don't we? Listen to what Jesus said to those scribes and Pharisees. Matthew 25, or 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and, and the plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. That's not good enough. See, some of us have said, okay, let's throw out the law because we're under grace, but it's the law that shows us there's sin in our lives when we need to repent. Some of us have heaped the law on others just like these Pharisees, and we've set ourselves up as the masters of those who aren't as good as we are. Some of us, some of you in this room, are just like the Pharisees. You go to church. A church is a good thing, don't get me wrong. But if all you've got is church attendance, Calvin may keep the rolls. But God does not count your days in church. Some of you wear the right clothes. Some of you don't like it. I don't wear a tie. Look, I found a coat in the closet today. I'm free. I'm free. But it's not about the clothes you wear. It's not. It's not about how well you dress. It's not about the language you speak. Christianese. What pork chops called. It's not about that. 
oh, I can, I can quote Bible verses and I can say the right things and I can pray the right prayers and I can do this and I can do that. It's no good if your heart's not in it. Some of you walk on eggshells scared to death. You're going to make God mad. Now listen, I'm not saying this to say you, you, you ignore the law, but understand this. If you're a child of God, even if you're not a child of God yet, God loves you unconditionally. Does it break His heart when you disobey His law? Yes. He longs for you to know Him, to walk with Him. Some of you set yourself up as the judge of others. They don't do enough, don't look good enough, don't do things like you do. Sometimes we blacklist people. You may not call it that, but I, I do. Because they don't do things just the way we'd like. Can I tell you what Jesus said to the Pharisees one more time? That righteousness is not good enough. Some of you, all you've got is a righteousness of works that is worthless before the Lord, and you're lost without Him. You hear Jesus saying today, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will in no way enter the kingdom of heaven. Would you hear Him say, you can't earn your righteousness, but if you'll trust Me, I will hand it to you. I will declare you righteous. I will make you righteous and forgive your sins based not on your work, but based on My work on the cross. Would you trust Him today? You can labor for a million years and never be good enough. But in an instant of faith and trust in Him, boom, you're righteous before Him. Church, listen to me this morning. Some of you, you know the Lord is your Savior, you you trusted Him. You've walked with Him. But somewhere along the way, you've fallen to a place where you look more like the Pharisee than you do the Christ. You know the language. You wear the clothes. You come to church. You walk on eggshells afraid to make God mad. And you even set yourself up as a judge of others. Can I tell you, that is not what it looks like to walk with Christ. I beg you to hear Christ say today, come back. Bring your heart back to Me. Bring your heart back. Surrender it. Lay it down. And once again, walk with a faith that exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. Would you, with me, seek the righteousness of Christ and surrender today? Father.